Dan, I got to tell you, I'm so happy to have you on board as the inspirational, um, you know, designer vision of all this. One last um, mention I wanted to get into about water on demand, which of course is this, you know, uh, water as a service concept, is that we're excited about uh, deploying your standardized modules um, as technology, so that when we have these other water companies do the installation, let's say in Seattle, Washington, and they're going to install it and maintain it. We want to um, let them license your tech so that the whole fleet that we build through Water on Demand is more standardized. It seems to me that the golden opportunity to let your patents and your um, trade secrets and your know-how become uh, exported to the water industry. And that, from what our experience so far is people are excited, like, you mean we can have that technology? Like, yes, you can. We're not only give you the business here. Here's a check to pay for this machine. Here's a check to pay for you to maintain it. And by the way, you get to use the uh, Mazda Water Tech. And I think that's triple winner. Well, hello and happy Thursday. And here we are on the very first CEO briefing of the year. And wow, is it going to be exciting? Let's take a look. All right, Waterloo Blue Gold, and that's for January 5th, briefing number 192. Uh, water like an oil well, the emerging income asset. As usual, we have the safe harbor statement and disclaimer, and I'll jump right into it. So uh, I spoke about this earlier uh, by in my CEO update. Uh, what's going on with disruptions? It seems that we're doing less disruption. That's weird, isn't it? So let's take a look. All the disruption, it appears, was in the 50s and 60s, and uh, there, was, there was a kind of a bump in life sciences in the uh, mid-80s to mid-90s. But other than that, it's been pretty much a downward trend. What has been going on with that? Well, um, the methodology that was used for this really had to do with how much a paper referred to previous art, previous discoveries, right? And there was a methodology. And I'm not challenging it. It seems to be pretty um, straightforward. This was a story in nature.com, which was pretty well done. They talked about how they did the research. And um, I think the problem is not so much that we're not inventing anymore. It's a couple of things. First of all, that uh, maybe research papers are not no longer the domain of disruption anymore. Maybe it's become very uh, conventional, the research paper wor world and that perhaps a lot of the innovation is happening outside of the academe. And that's certainly true of our uh, situation where we're being, I think, very disruptive, but we're certainly not doing it with a lot of the sign-off of academia. We're just going ahead and doing it. We have excellent scientists and engineers on board, and we're simply forging ahead. So maybe that's just the new way of disrupting things. Certainly, um, Uber and Airbnb did not come out of uh, research papers. So I think that may be a very good point. All right. Now, good news on that drought. Uh, finally, we have some news. The skiers among us know that California snowpack is the highest in 40 years, um, running close to 200%, more than close to double of the average. And um, so I think that's really good news. Um, it's going to be very helpful for us skiers, but also it's going to be very helpful for our serious drought situation in California. And of course, we have to do something to recycle so that we don't get in the same problem again. Meanwhile, 
Forever chemicals and weight gains. Well, it turns out that you can gain weight from forever chemicals. Who knew? There's a class of chemicals that apparently lowers your resting metabolic rate. The faster your metabolism runs, it's like a fire. The hotter it burns, the more likely you are to burn calories and you're less likely to become overweight. These chemicals slow down your metabolic rate, whatever other bad things they might do. And thus, you tend to get overweight faster from the same amount of food, which is too bad. It's just one of the many things we're learning about this. It's really too bad. Meanwhile, and I want to thank our investors for sending in these um, wonderful things. We have wonderful investors who send me these, these pearls. And sure enough, on Cape Cod, a big mess. Call it climate change, whatever. Probably true, but more importantly, there is these antiquated septic systems that are overflowing into the into the creeks, and that is causing a big mess. There, they are trying to clean it up, and it is um, choking the fish and making these turning these waterways into dead waterways, and uh, it's being taken over by poisonous algae. There it is, and that comes from the rising levels of nitrogen that are coming from these these old old antiseptic systems. And just like I often talked about Miami-Dade County, we have a problem uh, as well with Cape Cod, apparently, where a lot of building occurred without a lot of uh, sewage systems. And the solution for it, of course, is to spend billions, right? And uh, here's these, each of these houses, probably $12.5 million. I don't know, but they're super expensive. They get far more expensive. Here's the problem. The town administrator says it's physically, financially, and logistically impossible to meet that standard, meaning that it's just not doable. Physically, there's no room for the sewage plants. Financially, they don't have the billions. Logistically, they don't have the 20 years in which to do it. The solution, therefore, is to go ahead and let these uh, homes and housing developments simply be, go off the grid with their own built-in systems and water independence. And that is a solution that backs up our model. All right, quick geoeconomic comment on what's happening. And this also uh, tells us where we're going. Everyone's hunting for alternatives to US dollar. This is about Asia. And here's what's going on with our uh, Asian economies. Places like Myanmar and Japan are in deep trouble. Uh, they're really suffering from their dependence on the US dollar. And of course, they're scrambling to get off the dollar. And um, whatever you think of what happened with uh, the Russia. Ukraine thing, for sure, it's shown everyone that it is possible to survive being taken off the SWIFT network. This illustrates the point I'm making, which is that we have a, a move from currency-based finance to commodity-based finance. And that transition, it was currency-based. Why? Because the dollar was essentially symbolizing the amazing and immense economic power of the United States that is on the decline uh, for many reasons, I'm not gonna get into them, has been replaced with a form of barter, which is commodities, commodities balancing each other. And, and a, the, the power of an economy will be based on its, on its commodities. Now, by the way, the US will do well, relatively speaking, because it has a lot of good commodities, but it also underlines that the new game is commodities and the fact that we are monetizing water as a commodity makes it extraordinarily exciting in this new era of commodity-based finance. Okay, well, Jared Simmons, a few weeks ago, interviewed me just before the end of the year on innovation. Fascinating uh, podcast. This is the second part. And I must say, 
he got up close and personal. So let's take a listen. How do you keep fresh thoughts and points of view and diversity and all sorts of those sorts of things in mind as you kind of use that approach? Does it does it does it make it harder to 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 tackle those other things or you know how how does that how does that factor in? Well, I think we can learn a big lesson from the world of sports, which operates very much on stats, the numbers, and and are we doing better? Are we doing worse? And and um, you know, athletics they've learned to rate teams and coaches on based on criteria that they can they can watch in real time how well they're doing. And wait a minute, what happened? They're on a losing streak. What's going on here? Right able to debug it. And I think that's very valuable. So to have good metrics is critical and to have a really good sense of, okay, you know what? Um, if you as a CEO are playing the piano, then those keys are the data points, right? You got to mm. know, oh, we know this is, this is like, uh, we, it's a great idea, but the execution is not going anywhere. What's going on with that? Okay. I see we have an issue with uh, resources or personnel or, or the methodology is wrong or the vision, whatever. Mm-hmm. You, Knowing these uh, indicate these indicators, you know, are the key performance indicators being met? Is, is are we on track? I think that, you know, you I think you sort of develop a sensitivity to how it's going. I spent many years at sea. I was a professional mariner, uh, ship mm-hmm. captain, wow. and you at all times you're aware of the state because at any point that ship could run into a. Um, half sunken container or, or anything can happen. Right. Yeah. You know, one time, one time we were going along the ocean and the hole opened up into the bottom of the ship just like that is fountain of water was that was going into the engine room. Instant, instant emergency. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> not only do you want to react well, but you need to actually in, in your procedures and your, your preparations, be ready for that. Like, mm, I see it happen. What, so the, what, so what do you do? And, um, and then as you're dealing with it, you're also like, okay, here's the immediate danger, but wait a minute, we're five days from land. How are we going to get out? Okay. You know, let's start solving, 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 solving. And um, I watched, you know, Airbnb in the early pandemic, they went, their business model crashed, right? Crashed. And the CEO of Airbnb said, we went through 10 years of work in 10 weeks, reinventing the company. And they did. They became more local. Right? Airbnb became more of, a, more of a local staycation kind of company, less about the resorts or, or about business travel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was, a, that was a brilliant reinvention. They like, okay, we got to do something. Other people just went and took the PPP and they sort of hung in there and nothing. And maybe they made it, maybe they didn't. Um, but the, the, the smart ones were like, this is a wake up call. Mm. This would happen to us. We were like, whoa, every single assumption we have, because I remember driving around in LA in, in the fall of 2019 going, all right, you know, the economy looks good. There's a lot of cars on the road. That's my indication of economy. Good. Right. Cars <laughs> on the road. <laughs> and literally they took all the cars off the road. Right. Yeah. Like, from one day to the next, I go, wow. Like that. These mm. things instantly and so the idea that there's any kind of job security or any kind of life security is illusory now that don't get paranoid because you know things won't usually are gonna be okay but the point i'm making is is that if you're awake to these in, these signals that are going on these uh, like okay something going on here then you have a chance not just to survive but to innovate 
and then perhaps to dominate, right? Mm. Survive, innovate, dominate. And that's when it becomes, that's, you know, that now you know you've innovated, you've innovated to a point where you're, you've started lapping other people and you're like, you own the space. Survive, innovate, dominate. I love that. It, it's uh, progressive, but it also reinforces the same mindset at each level, right? I mean, you're always thinking about, like you said, about the future. Um, survival is about, you know, the future. Innovation is about the future. And dominating, you want to stay on top. You want to, you you know, uh, getting to the top is not dominating. It's staying there for a cons- you know, consistent period of time. So you can maintain that future focus through all of those uh, sort of phases of, of what you described. How has innovation shaped your career, uh, your career path? You mentioned being a professional mariner. It sounds like you've led quite a quite a life i'm wondering if you, if you can see a, a thread of innovation through that it's 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 called the easily bored <laughs> <laughs> oh man it is yeah. it's a, it's a great uh yeah it, it sounds like a fascinating life well uh it's it's one of the things you that I, that i had to come to terms with was that you know um while i had lots of good experiences you know i did not um become the best in the world at this, that, or the other thing. They were kind of transitory experiences. And I had to come to terms with, you know, like, oh, I regretted not having been done this and the other thing. Like, wait a minute, this is what you're practicing for, right? And all that previous experience, it's for this here and now. And this is the opportunity to be the best at. Now, in terms of what drove me to these things, I have to say that, um, you know, my 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 dad was a uh, he was uh, an exec with Procter and Gamble as you, and you were with P and G, yeah. but he, he he early on, you know how um, he wrote a, a article called Memoirs of a Soap Salesman, and you know they they started them all out you know racking shelves in the Bronx, and uh, that's how they started them out and you know in, in, in the sweaty summer with no no AC, and then that was kind of like the initiation. Right. Um, on the sales side, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, distribution. And anyway, the he was he did well. He was sent off to to run the the branch in Toronto, which was that's where I was born. And uh, and then he had the opportunity. Oh, you did great! He had the opportunity to go back to Ohio. <laughs> and he's like, no, I like it internationally. And and he literally took himself out of the running for the real. You know, you want to be at HQ to really go up the ladder. Right. He, yeah. He started, you know, he, he went to, we then went to Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Paris, Brussels, you know, and he just enjoyed that life. And um, I remember at one point, my mom says to him, Riggs, your dad makes 40000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like 1960. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good money. It's just a funny thing to say to your to your, to your son. It's funny. I don't know. And, and, you know, he had the chauffeur and this and that. He lived very well. Yes. And uh, it was a good time to be an American in Europe, for sure. Um, and so, but what was great about it was that I, that I had a very cosmopolitan upbringing. I, my parents were smart enough not to put me in an American school, but to put me in a, into a local school. So I became, you know, very French, very Belgian very before that very puerto rican venezuelan that was that was really good and wow. then and at one point my dad says you know what we're gonna americanize you that's it you know and so he i get shipped off to america talk about a culture break i was like what 
And uh, I landed in Princeton High School. It was literally Fonzie and 57 Bel Airs drag racing up and down in front of the school. And I was like, <laughs> what? And, uh, <laughs> it was amazing. But anyway, wow. so, so, and then at the, the anyway, so I had actually, it was good. It was a good thing. And it, yeah. it kind of made me aware of the world beyond um, this sort of cloistered European world I was in. Mm. Because Europe has got a very, um, you know, they, they set your career path and it's kind of how it's going to be. America is much more disruptive. You know, we're like, hey, be what you want. Right? Hmm. So I, by the end of, of, of high school, um, I, I really fall in love with, with a particular um, philosophy that, be, that really um, made me think that I could help really transform the world. That more than just you know, um, going to um, Africa for, you know, the State Department or whatever, I could actually do something that as part of a movement to help people be better, uh, have better self-esteem. And I, and I became part of that. It was super exciting. And this was the early days of it. And I became close to the leader of that movement. And, uh, and that, I think, gave me a sense that there's really no limits to what can be achieved. Hmm. Tough because at that point I became a very tough critic of my, myself. But I personally think that we are, we all have that. We all are tough critics of ourselves. We're just not necessarily willing to admit it. You know, like uh, I may not have achieved this, but you know what? I have at least I have a home in Levittown, and I got this and I got that. I'm good. You know, and we sort of like okay. And then of course, unfortunately, we get stuck in the next recession and things go to crap, or the wife gets cancer and then we have to you know, send our life is upside down. So I think it's right. important to, to, um, to have that idea of, you know, how can we really sort of evolve individually uh, as groups, as humanity. And so that was very formative for me. It was, yeah. it was about 10, uh, 10, 12 years. And, uh, but, but it, during that I was trained as a ship captain uh, and then later, um, in the middle of it, I actually went to the South Pacific and I was a commercial ship captain, which was a whole other world. And, um, uh, and when I came, um, back and, uh, arrived, um, sort of came out of that nonprofit world, uh, I, you know, I thought, you know what, aside from that amazing work I do, what else is going to transform tech, uh, the world and its technology? Mm. That's, what's going to be the, the incredibly transforming thing. And I started, in the early 80s to do uh, tech. I had my own company in New York City, which was, Lord have mercy, don't have 12 employees with no capital and payroll every other week. <laughs> oh, in Manhattan. In Manhattan, right. I was like, Lord have mercy. Anyway, that was, so I had a series of learning experiences, which got me to the next really transformative thing in our, in our culture, I believe, which was the dot-com. Because mm. right. the constant use computers not just for calculation but for communication was incredibly transformative before that we didn't think of them as such right computers oh, were just right. I, I never thought about that sort of delineation from the dot-com you know for in the, the dot-com era kind of being that demarcation but it is it's where you started using the internet to connect to other people um, versus just as a tool for like you said calculation that's that's such a great point and that's where really I, I started really loving uh, uh, tech per se, because then I went, oh, wow, 
this is going to be a, a revolution. Now, have there been you know abuses of privacy and this, I, I, whatever? But I personally believe that we are closer knit today than we were back then. We we are much more hyper aware society. Um, definitely growing pains. Uh, you know, I can run a company that you know my chief engineer is in Virginia, and it doesn't make the slightest difference. None. Right. Unimportant. So that is is. Um, is I think we're moving towards a model that is still very incomplete, which is why there's all kinds of issues with it. And, and, you know, um, discovering there was all this censorship at Twitter and so forth. Well, all this stuff is, is kind of part of the um, creating as a new paradigm, in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, excuse me, in order to break out of the existing paradigm, you have to step into a new paradigm, but that the fact that it's new and it's part of the future doesn't mean that it's perfect. So, Right, from. right, right. And you got to realize that that human beings dramatize their 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 background, their prior experiences. So you've got people who have certain prejudices or who who think a certain way, mm-hmm. and they will impose them on the new paradigm until the until those those legacy ideas are washed out. Right. I have one exec who just loves the idea of going and doing bonds. <laughs> Small company bonds takes all the air out of the room. You go after some big uh, grant, you know, right. five grant, and everybody's, everybody forgets their job and it's going after the stupid grant. They're like, you know what? Just do your job and let's get somewhere. So, you know, that is old thinking that the person mm-hmm. bought it, they imported it into the company. And then that, that has to be like recognized like, wait a minute, that is actually a contagion from an old time. We need to think of the new. What is the new? And, and that's where we, evolved the new model for our company, which is to turn uh, industrial water, the, the treatment and management of water into a service rather than a capital activity, and therefore hopefully transforming water all over the world potentially. And that became, you know, has become incrementally more and more exciting as a vision that people go, oh my gosh, that's, that's stunning, right? They, when they get yeah. the vision. Yeah. And, and it's true because yeah. water it's not great in the world. It's not great. And yet we don't know what to do about it. It's like, well, what do I do about water? You know, give money to water.org. Yeah. Okay. That's not going to transform water. Right. You know, but so what do we do to, to, to innovate in water? And, and that, that has made things very, very exciting for us as an organization. And we're able to step well beyond our charted path because we fleshed out a vision that was strong enough to drive it. Right. Uh, the best analogy I'm just thinking of right now is our founding fathers you know that most of them were still not even 20 when they signed the Declaration of Independence. They were in their teens. And maybe, what they were maybe. putting there was an amazing thought that they had no hope of achieving. Really? I mean, who were they? At the time, a majority of, of, of the people living in America were loyalists. Mm-hmm. They were on the side of the British. The, the Republicans were a minority, the, the rebels. Right. So, but by having this, this really great vision, which didn't come from nowhere, and this is something I think we got to recognize, it came from you know, John Locke and Hume and all these earlier thinkers. Right. Thoughts came forward, and all these um, revolutionaries were imbued with these because they were, they were learned, they were well-educated, and they, they had learned, many of them in England, of course, they'd gone to Oxford and so forth. And they knew all this and they, go, and they were like, okay, this is so strong that it literally enabled them to create something that has lasted, you know, 
more than 200 years. And it's, it's kind of still got a lot of development to go. Right. Only getting to the bottom of, well, what is free speech? You know, uh, you know, what is religious expression? What all these things, right? That we're still figuring that out. And so that's what I feel is that, is that if you can, if you can get to something that is a strong enough, um, um, not just vision, but a, a, a concept package, you might mm. say. I see. Steve Jobs did it great. He, the Mac way, remember the Mac way? Mm-hmm. There's this way of thinking like you never, you should never need a manual. You know, everything should be intuitive. I see. Service, all these ideas of the Mac way. The hardware is excellent, you know, also, but some stuff that you might challenge like uh, a closed um, um, ecosystem. Very hard. It was very hard to, I remember in the 80s trying to hack into a Mac to put a big <laughs> Man, it was hard work, right? <laughs> so, uh, so this this is a comprehensive vision, and and it propelled Apple way beyond his death. So, I, where I'm getting at it here is that you 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 uh, put together this concept that's 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 evolved from from strong antecedents, right? These things came it came from somewhere that makes sense. Like we're inventing water as a service. Well, water as a service already exists. So, but we're doing it different. I won't get mm-hmm. into it. Important, but the point is is that we're taking good things and then like a new take and a new take that's so transformative. It's, it's so strong that it is transformative and it can have can drive a movement that that is worth hanging around for. Mm. Well said. I, I think that's a, it's so important um, what you highlighted around, you know, everything starts from something else, the starting materials, you know, um, innovation doesn't just, start from a uh, from nothing um and you know everyone's educated by things they're educated by you know uh, uh traditionally they're educated by their lived experiences you know as ship captains and all sorts of things and uh it's the synthesis of all those things uh to your point where you can that you can uh, be marked or you know rather than being just marked by those experiences you can you can have your your future focus informed by those those uh those experiences and, and that and those life lessons yes i agree 100 percent art uh i can't let you go without asking if there are some if there's any advice you might have for innovators out there well uh, okay so I, my main one is don't lose that thought right mm. like you have an idea you know and like, okay, take that idea, like, we'll start beating it up, start, you know, reality checking and so forth, but don't, don't lose the thought because the most, the great, these, the great things happen from, from ideas that, that could just go whizzing by. Right. Mm. So let's say you're, you're faced with a particular situation uh, where a solution is needed or, or the next step should be obvious, but it's not as you're working your way through it, thoughts will come up like, well, okay, you know, keep track because there's one of them is going to, is going to turn into something. And so I think it's important to not dismiss those passing thoughts. Like, Hmm, I had an idea about that. And never mind. Whoa, 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 hold on. Let's take a look at that. What if this, what if that, right. And, uh, and one, of, one of my jobs in, in the company is to people say things and I go, wait, 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 what was that? What was that idea? And to encourage that is, I think parents do that well when they do it well. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was a really good little song you sang. Where, where'd you get that from? And you know, kind of. So I think that's the main thing: is don't lose that thought. Uh, that's great. Uh, I love that. 
Uh, Riggs, this has been uh, informative, educational, inspiring. Uh, yeah, I'm just amazed and uh, uh, grateful for everything you've done and what you are doing uh, for the world uh, through the work you do. And, uh, you know, really uh, thankful that you decided to take the time to talk with us. Um, innovation is the future. Uh, I love that. I love that definition, and I look forward to uh, to staying connected and and uh, uh, hopefully learning more from you in the future. Thanks again for your time, and uh, uh, take care, Jared. Such a pleasure. Happy holidays, and have a great year ahead. All right, thank you. All right, now let's uh, take a look at the news you've probably been waiting for tonight, which is about the SPAC, the Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation. And here we are. What is the latest update? Drum roll. Well, sure enough, today we announced that Origin Clears Water on Demand subsidiary signs a letter of intent to merge with Fortune Rise Acquisition. Non-binding agreement sets basis for negotiations. And yes, so we have now agreed uh, Fortune Rise, and there's a typo there, it's FRLA, proposes to acquire all of the outstanding securities of Water on Demand Inc. So it'll take all of the subsidiary of ours that we've got and um merge it with the NASDAQ company. This is not binding, and this is guides good faith negotiations. So as I was saying, FRLA will acquire 100% of Water on Demand Inc., and Water on Demand Inc. equity holders will receive shares of common stock. And that means that upon meeting NASDAQ requirements, we will be trading on the NASDAQ. There is obviously a lot of work ahead of us. The price precise structure is to be worked out. And uh, in addition, it talks about what FRLA is. So that's the picture there. And here, in fact, is the news as it showed up on SPAC Insider today. There was a filing. This is the 8K by Fortune Rise Acquisition Corporation, where discloses that we put out this press release with a letter of intent. And that was in the right here. You can look it up on. SPAC Insider. Our press release here and the, 8, the 8K from January 5th and the previous one from December 29th. And obviously, we expect there'll be a lot of coverage now that this is, thing has come out. Well, with that, I wanted to bring on Ken to discuss this amazing piece of news and everything that we think is going to come from it. So welcome aboard, Ken. Let's just recap then the news. Sure. Of the day, which is that we've got a merger with a NASDAQ company of our subsidiary. Mm-hmm. Now, why is it that a subsidiary is merging with a NASDAQ company? Why not Origin Clear? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Origin Clear is being positioned as an incubator, and this is our baby, and our baby is now going to college and wow. now is going to, you know, become famous, you know, perhaps going to a full scholarship at Notre we Dame. We want to spoil our baby. Exactly. Right? And we don't want our baby to have to come up the hard way like we did. Exactly. We, we want to give our, we want to give our kids a much better, easier life than than we had ourselves, right? No, no, no washing dishes. Exactly. The other reason is a very simple one: is that um, water demand is a pure play. It is a fintech mm-hmm. that does one specific, sure. which is that it um, is in the business of this mid market water as a service activity funded by investors. And so it's a solution to the, the giant, giant centralized water problem. Mm-hmm. And rather than say, well, we do this, that, and the other thing. And by the way, we're on the NASDAQ. Better that we take these specific companies, put them on the NASDAQ. This is only the first. 
as I've pointed out in our presentations before, uh, the later ones will follow. Ultimately, Origin Clear will, but as a proven incubator. So, right, that- right. In other words, with, with with an extended track record of of, of successful executions, this being the first, which is why this was so important. Positioning the parent as an incubator, you had to incubate something, right? You had to be successful. Also, um, you know, they they have a saying that if you have to explain the punchline, the joke's not funny. If it takes a few minutes to kind of describe what you do, if you're doing a roadshow, right, and you can't describe what you're doing in 30 seconds, it's too complicated. Uh, Water on Demand is the world's first mid-market fintech for water as a service on the planet ever. And it's doing to water what, you know, what cell phones did to telecom, or or it's, you're, you're basically taking these high density polyethylene drop and go systems in your Airbnb them and creating an, an investable asset. So now I'm done. That was 30 seconds, right? So it's a, it's a pure, it's an uncomplicated, it's also, it's FinTech, it's AquaTech. Um, it's the kind of thing that investment bankers are going to be able to easily get behind, easily envision. I've had the pleasure of speaking to a couple of investors recently in a, in this new new positioning that we have that's very very distilled now right as 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 parts were in motion you kind of include the whole thing and it becomes very kind of lengthy right but this much more condensed version people like they get it right away and i love it um they're like i love what you're doing and i totally get what you're doing where do we go from here well talk to ken he's got a very busy schedule but he will take your call just go to oc.go slash ken and uh or email investorigenclear.com uh, and he'll tell you more. I want to say to everyone, this is the most amazing way to start the year. It's the most right. amazing way to start the year. And I want to say thank you, because without you guys, this would have been tense. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been uh, challenging. It would have looked like the house floor. Okay. Oh, Kevin McCarthy, eight times right. and still going. No, 10. 10, but who's counting? Oh, 10. Um, right. No, it, it, so it, in other words, it, 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 without the greatest investors in the world, people with vision, um, this would have been a, a, a far more monumental task in such a short. We had three days to act, and we were able to tell these guys without having done any of the, you know, without saying, oh, by the way, this is what we're doing. We had enough confidence in you folks as a, as a group to say, no, we're going to do this. They're going to get behind us, and you did. Now we're we're first we're through the first leg of this race, but we're going to close strong. We're going to get this thing done, and um, I, I I hope to be having this conversation, you know, as we ring in 2024 in a completely different place in the world, and I think that that's very realistic. Right on. So for uh, next week, uh, I plan to uh, bring our operations manager, introduce him, uh, Colin. He's a very very experienced project engineer. And uh, and we'll be talking uh, throughout the weeks now. Of course, it's gonna, it's going to be a lot of it is going to be about water on demand, about the the merger, et cetera, about the things moving into place, mm-hmm. and so forth. In addition, there's going to be a lot more news about our conventional business. Remember that we're coming to we've wrapped up an amazing year for the conventional businesses. You'll be hearing about that. Uh, interviews of customers. I got tired of telling uh, analysts that well, we have customers, but we can't tell you their names. So. Right. We're going to start having those people do testimonials and interviews. So that's going to be good. You force them out of anonymity. Exactly. Right. What the, yeah. So that's going to start happening. So I, I don't have to keep saying a certain well-known car company that is right. a very top yeah. car company. A certain market. online retailer. 
whatever. Anyway, so that that is gonna so we're gonna have a lot of that happening. So be sure to stay tuned to these briefings. It's really exciting times. We have we are on the way to transforming the world. And by the way, there's an even larger vision for what on demand that I'll be sketching out, which is that network effect, yeah, geometrical growth thing that I've been talking about. The idea that you start with a drop of water in a football stadium and you fill that stadium with water by doubling every minute. And how fast do you do it? 45 minutes. That's how fast it happens. That's called a network effect, geometric effect. Same thing. We're going to wrap it up now. Thank you, everyone, so much. Uh, Charles Devanzo, fantastic briefing. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes. And David Johnson, drinks on me in 2024. David, you're on. All right. Let's meet and do it. make it happen. I love it. All right. And uh, Ken Fernandez-Taylor, congratulations, Riggs and Ken. Thank you for visions and effort. Ken, you're our hero as well, my friend. Thank yes, you. thank you. Likewise, really. Gracias. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. This is the best way we could have started the year. So stay tuned. I know. I almost want to do it again next week. It, this was, you know, we, we've only scratched the surface. There's, you know what? We, all right. So to, to our audience, I promise you, we, we haven't even gotten started on this stuff. There's so much more stuff to talk about. Hopefully, we'll devote a few minutes next week to kind of br- provide even additional context because there's a, there's a ton of great stuff happening. Well, in fact, next week, we're going to get the uh, making of the Estrella Nuri video okay. that, that people are going to have a very hard time watching. So, Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably easier to watch than me, but that's all right. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. Have a, have a good night. Catch you next week. Good night, folks. Have a good weekend.